Okay, we're here we are at the Science Fiction Club meeting for July 10th, 2014. We're talking about the Reefs of Space by Jack Williamson and Paul, uh, Frederick Pohl. I almost said Paul Anderson, but Frederick Pohl. So, uh, okay, now the recording's running. And, uh, okay, Mary or Martin, I guess you guys can go first, one of you, if you want to. Well, I enjoyed it, and the worst character of all was that general who tortured the space link for no reason. I mean, the, the injuries weren't even done in any sort of a constructive manner that would let the space link provide any information. I felt so sorry for that space link. But, of course, things worked out in the end where Spaceling and the mate had uh, all those little mini, mini Spacelings. <laughs> but that general just made me so mad. I thought the book was basically good. I, I thought the, the idea perhaps was a little far-fetched about having these, uh, these reefs and these things out and way out beyond, where was it, beyond Pluto, was it? Or quite a, at the very fringes of our solar system and somehow being able to contain um, a, an environment based, based you know, in fact, I didn't fully understand how, how the reefs themselves were based or were, were maintained, but it was interesting about these space wings and they had the ability to create their own atmosphere as well as that space drive. So that to me seemed perhaps a little bit far-fetched, but apart from that, I thought it was interesting, the, the whole concept of, um, of the planner and how humans were subject to a machine. Uh, I, I know that's appeared in some other books in the past, but I thought that was a rather interesting idea. And of course, Stephen as uh, the main character, and the fact that the collar that he had around his neck, where he, if he didn't behave himself, they would kill him. I thought a lot of that was very interesting. In some ways, it kind of reminded me in 1984 because he had this overpowering dictatorship sort of stuff, and you couldn't escape it. And the only way you could really get free of it, sort of, was to go to the uh, body bank. But then you weren't even really free there either, because they had you, you know, under some sort of uh, drug that kind of sedated you somewhat. But uh, I'm glad that Steve got out of there, and uh, it looks like the second book is going to be interesting. I don't know. Uh, when I'll get around to it, but I do plan to read the second and third ones. I was wondering how I, I didn't quite pick up on how he realized that he that he was that he was being drugged. I, I sort of missed that little detail. Sometimes when I when I listen to the books on the, on the using the, the artificial speech, like even with the Victor Reader Scream, which is pretty good, I still miss a few things. I, I imagine if I could read it in Braille, I would get it much better. Well, I was me. I was kind of middling on the book. I. I, th I like the reefs idea if it could work. I mean, who knows what could happen in you know over billions of years out in interstellar space. I mean, uh, it it uh, might be a little far fetched, but I like the idea anyway, um, even if it was. Um, but the book, I mean, the writing was just I don't know. Um, it gave me the feeling of having been kind of banged out. Um, you know, in a in a few days, and they didn't really, you know, it 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 it. it, it um, there were all kinds of little things that bugged me. Donna Creary, Donna Creary, Donna Creary, Donna Creary. Um, it, I mean, I'd never heard so many times somebody's first and last names given in a book. 
Um, um, Since it was the only Donna. It was the only Donna in the book. Um, <laughs> but, um, and there was some stuff with the character Angela, who was, you know, the, the, the characters were kind of... Uh, brought on and then kind of discarded when they weren't needed. There was no real, there wasn't much, you know, in the way of development. Um, and there were other little things, like they changed the word body bank to stockpile. It's like maybe Pohl took over from Williamson or Williamson took over from Pohl at some point and wrote part of it. And they didn't get their nomenclature right because they kept calling the body bank the stockpile later on in the book for so, no apparent reason. Um... And the ending was so rushed, uh, it was just incredibly rushed. I mean, we have him going into surgery, and then the plan, um, then the, the, the ship is there, and the planner, you know, and then he's, uh, he's then all of a sudden he's fired, and then he's, and then Fleemer takes over, and then all of a sudden Fleemer's been fired, and, you know, they're dictating their jetless drive, which he got in his memory from the anesthetic, and it was all over in three or four pages. It was so <laughs> rushed. Um, so, you know, I liked some of the ideas, but I thought the execution was, was uh, not really that good. Lissy, do you want to say anything yet? Yeah, I, I guess my favorite part was about heaven, because I, um, you said they were a little bit, a little bit drugged, but they were way drugged. Um, um, I just thought it was interesting the way they were managed and manipulated. Um, it was easy reading, it was kind of entertaining, but it sort of stopped making sense to me um, after he escaped from the from heaven you know the thing that threw me was I had to read the ending three times to finally figure out that Steve's collar came off <laughs> and that that part was rushed to me because the machine had kind of been out of the picture for a while and Everything was focused on what was going on with Steve and all the rest of the people that he was around and that had surrounded him. And we hadn't heard anything about the machine for a while except kind of in reference to general stuff. And all of a sudden, here's his collar just falling off of him. So I don't I, I can see what you mean about the ending. It did speed up quite a bit, that's for sure. I do like the idea, though, and I've seen in other books where, you know, you have really big space habitats, you know, this would be, you know, the reefs or, you know, in, in, um, I, I liked, uh, J, um, the Hyperion books, um, oh man, I'm blanking on the guy's name, Dan Simmons, um, where he has the people who are adapted to space, uh, living in space, or, you know, just the whole idea of, you know, either big giant space habitats, much bigger than Earth, which the reefs could be, um, depending on where they are, but um, you know that's a, that's just a great idea. There's so much room for speculation and for different societies to develop, and for a good imagination to really, you know, put a lot of interesting characters and different life forms in. And uh, so, I mean, I was really intrigued. I mean, I wasn't even sure I was going to like the book at all until he brought in, you know, the reefs and you know the life cycle. And he did work out. They did work out some of the stuff with the symbionts and, you know, how they you know, create energy, and how they, you know, 
I'm, 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 I guess, I mean, he, he kind of anticipated cold fusion in a way because normal fusion would create so much heat that I don't think, you know, that it would uh, be, it would, anything would survive very close to it. So I, I'm, I'm not sure if I understood what he said, you know, about that correctly. But, you know, there were some really good ideas in there, and I also felt I'm sorry for this, that guy Godling. I mean, he was such a caricature, you know, in a way of the, you know, the really evil guy. But um, you know, I always liked that kind of, you know, outer space kind of habitat type stuff. So I, that was the book's kind of saving grace for me. If they hadn't brought that in, I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have liked the book very much. But that was really cool, and what he did do with it, you know, I, I liked that. Yeah, um, I also thought the. Ending was a little strange, given the fact that you know the, um, the 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 planner was so into controlling humanity and everything. And then suddenly, the big uh, about face. As soon as they discovered that there is a space drive, and it meant that they could go out and expand into the into the space, that now humanity would be totally free. And that's when I think his collar just came off. To me, that seems a little uh, a little strange because you would think that the, the planner would still want to control. Uh, what it had been controlling up to now. That's a good point. You would think, I mean, can you imagine somebody like Hitler, you know, or Stalin saying, well, now we've got outer space. Now we can now we can change completely and have freedom and liberty and all that stuff that we didn't want before. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, that's a good point. Um, but a lot of what I think at the beginning of the book, when you, when, um, He's talking to the planner. Uh, a lot of this was resource constraint. Uh, this this plan was because the Earth was exhausted and there wasn't enough to go around, and so um, so he did prepare it a little bit. But I'm still skeptical. I agree with you. I'm still skeptical that people who are in control are just going to give it up. You know, when the circumstances change a little bit, that's not the way people generally work. Once they've got control, they seldom give it up because they love it too much. The other anomaly, if you want to call it that, I, the fact that they, that they communicate with the planner through a teletype machine. I wonder if that was done on purpose or that reflected the time when the book was written or what. what it, to me, that seemed a little out of place given the technology. Well, considering it was published in the mid-1960s or so, um, that's all they had. <laughs> for communication back then was noisy old teletypes. <laughs> they probably couldn't conceive too well of of the type of stuff we've got these days. Although I think they had screens that were that were active, so people could look on a screen and see what was going on. Yeah, the computer wouldn't understand speech, and it wouldn't speak back then, so there was no other way to get the information into it other than print. Um, they just didn't envisage, you know, the speech um, synthesis or speech recognition. Yeah, and he couldn't tell time because he didn't have a watch. Oh, my, <laughs> they, they, oh, that reminds me. They really slipped up. The guy gets up in the morning... Goes, talks to Fleemer, and, oh, and he talks to Gottling about the spaceling, and then he goes back to his room after he gets um, demoted or whatever. Well, no, he gets promoted, right? Remember, he gets promoted, and then he goes back to his room, goes to sleep until the next morning. Do you remember that? 
<laughs> You've read it more than once, Mary. Do you remember that? That was really weird. It's like the authors forgot what time of day it was. Maybe they left a chapter out <laughs> in all their rush to get the book finished. <laughs> yeah, I've read some reviews on Amazon, and some people really liked the second book, but thought the third one was a little redundant or not very good. But um, I've heard the second book was pretty interesting, too. But um, if you read them, you'll have to... Um, you have to tell us. Maybe you could. You don't write. You don't do DB review anymore. But maybe you could write some mini reviews for the SF uh, list. If you, uh, you know, just some short ones about what you thought of the other books. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that. In fact, when I was reading The Martian, I almost wrote a re review of that. But I thought, well, they might think it's kind of trite. Some guy surviving on Mars. But anyway, we're not talking about that book. We're talking about this book. Um, but anyway, yeah, you're right. Um, time just seems to be sort of messed up anyway because you got a different type of time going on in the body bank, and then you got a different type of time going on in the reef, and then you've got a different kind of time going on in the just the general daily activity in the in the realm of the plan. So it's it's weird uh, trying to keep all that kind of time straight, even though it's it's not um, it's it's connected because it's how humans perceive it, but it still is kind of different depending on what kind of a society you're in. One of the things that I did think was interesting about the technology was that train where that what did, how did it go? It went down into the center of the earth and then shot back out again to to you know travel from one one side of the earth to the other if I, if I understood it correctly. Yeah, that's an idea that's been around. I don't know if they invented it or, or picked it up from somewhere, but you could have trains uh, going underground. You could evacuate them. They could go at really high speeds. I mean, many hundreds of miles an hour through these evacuated tunnels, and they would fall to a very low point in the earth and then, you know, come back up again um, with, you know, very little fuel, actually, because, you know, you would be falling most of the way, or halfway, and then the rest of the way, you'd just be reducing your speed as you climb back up again. You wouldn't need a whole lot of fuel, um, and you could go extremely quickly to most points in the Earth within a half, you know, within about an hour and a half or so. Um, so, uh, but I don't know if they, but you, you need fields of some kind, like he, you know, he put in the book, you, you to keep those tunnels from collapsing, because the and, of course, the pressures on the outside of those tunnels would be enormous. You're down into the crust, you know, into the mantle or, or into the low crust or something. Um, so uh, he's, he's right about that. But that's an idea that's been around for a while. I think that was even in some of H.G. Wells' work in, uh, in different forms, if I remember right. And Heinlein certainly did it with some of his stuff. I remember the roads must roll, but that was a whole different type of train system. <laughs> but the idea's been around for ages, yeah. I'm just curious, since I wasn't at the last meeting, how did we decide on this book? And of course, it's obviously it's not on Bard, I would imagine, because we didn't mention it being there. Well, I'm to blame for that, because I downloaded the series. It's called the Star, Star Child series. I think it was that same afternoon and I had mentioned that I'd found it on Bookshare, and we started talking and tossing ideas back and forth, and ended up with this. Um, so I'm I'm the culprit, folks. <laughs>
Yeah, you're not a culprit, though, Mary, because we enjoyed it. I mean, we kind of enjoy talking about it as we go along. And even though it doesn't have hold together as a, as, you know, the whole doesn't, the parts don't all stick. There were different phases that were entertaining and entertaining to Evan and I at different times. And by the way, I agree with you, you know, anytime there's torture of an animal, it seems like that trumps everything and gives, gives a, a bad taste in your mouth. But um, about not reviewing because we might think a book is trite, keep in mind we're all on different, we're all approaching science fiction differently, so what somebody might not like, somebody else might like, and, you know, um, I don't always like my books quite as complicated as Evans, and so, you know, I might like it, I might want to read it. <laughs> Yeah, Mary, so hit that keyboard. Uh-oh, slave drivers are coming at me. <laughs> Just teasing you. I thought it was good. I liked it because it was, wasn't long also, you know, only about 199 pages or so. So that gave me time to read it, even while I was in Mexico, and get back and finish it. So I think I it all was, you know, it had its flaws, but it was certainly an interesting read. Yeah, I, I like that audio from Bookshare. I'm getting in the habit of downloading it. Um, in the audio format and playing it on the stream. I love Braille, but I just don't seem to be still long enough to sit down and read Braille. <laughs> I'm always doing something else while I'm listening to a book, so the audio works out pretty good, even though I download the Braille because I want to get the spelling of the names and the words and stuff. Well, Alyssa and I read the Braille version. I was reading to her a lot when she was cooking. She was making dinner, and I would read to her, or she would be knitting, and... Uh, I would read read it to her. So I, I do definitely sit down uh, long enough to read Braille. It was only 192 pages, and there were four or five pages of lists of other Ballantine books, and some of them kind of brought back some memories. I don't remember all the authors, but at the, the back of the book, you know, there were some old authors I haven't read for a long time, uh, William Tenn and Stephen, no, was it Kuttner? I forget his first name. Um, and there were some Clark books in there, and... There were some other people I hadn't heard of for quite a long time, and, you know, some of the titles were pretty interesting. There were, like, several, a few dozen titles on on those four pages at the back of the book. That was fun by itself. Oh, it sure was. And I, of course, at that time, when the book came out, I was in high school, and I didn't have access to that. Of course, most of us didn't. Uh, but I was looking at the prices. I mean, a lot of those books were 50 cents. Oh, remember when books were 50 cents? Of course, uh, the only time I remember 50 cent books were the books I had to buy in college for English courses that were usually cheap paperbacks. <laughs> but those prices were just great. And the, the names of those books, I was thinking, I want every one of those. I want them, I want them, and I don't know if I'll ever get them. Well, I'll bet you any money that some of them are on Bookshare, but I'll bet you also any money that many, if not most of them, are in fair quality, because this is a lot of these books, Jack Vance, there are a bunch of Jack Vance books up on Bookshare that are in fair quality. Um, I don't know about these other authors, I could look them up, but I know Jack Vance was in the list at the back of the, ba you know, at the back of the Reef of, Reefs of Space. He got a lot of, he wrote a lot of books back in the middle of the 20th century, and, uh, some of them are on Bookshare, but they're in fair quality. They need fixing up. 
Um, that's what I was trying to dragoon Mary into helping me with, but she doesn't have the time, unfortunately. But uh, I, that's what kind of a project I was hoping to get uh, some of these cleaned up. Um, um, but I, I don't have time to do it myself. But um, but some of them are certainly up there, I'd bet any money, because uh, some of the people who first started at Bookshare were, had old science fiction collections, and they just threw them up there to get the collection started without too much regard to quality, and they're still up there. Martin, did you see the Anything boxes in Bookshare now? So keep in mind that if we can get a, get a hold of a print book, we're still in the wish fulfillment business of adding books. Yeah, we can, we can add them. Downloaded in my stream. It's among my books to be read. Oh, I read it right away. <laughs> I was, uh, I think I was just going through science fiction in browse mode from latest to earliest, and I found it up there, and I thought, mine! And I thought of Martin, you know, because I know Martin, you wanted to read it, and and uh, so it's, it's really good. It's good. Evelyn and Lissy did a great job with it. You're to be commended, really. Well, I guess uh, we can decide on our next book if people want to do that now. Since there's so few of us, we might as well um, list, you know, make suggestions. If people have suggestions to make, I've already made mine last month. But uh, if people have other ideas, this is the time. Well, we had spoken about the sparrow, although maybe we should wait a bit longer until we have more people. It is. It's. I don't know what to say. I think it's a great book. But Mary, I believe you. You told me you did read it. I don't know if you read the sequel. There is a sequel called The Children of God. I would say the only problem with it is, is there's a lot of emphasis on on trying to, to, to uh, how should I put it, try to figure out the, the psychological damage to this priest. So that, it, it deals a lot with the Catholic Church. Basically, the Catholic Church sponsors an expedition to, the, to this planet because they hear these strange music coming. And when they arrive there, um, they find these two, two or three different species, and the, and how they interact with each other, and there's a lot of misinterpretation. So I don't know. Um, you want to give your opinion again, Mary? I, I don't think you, I know you said you were pretty horrified by it, if I remember correctly. Actually, I did read both books. Uh, I revisited them a couple of months ago. So I guess it was April or May, and. Uh, my only problem with it was uh, the violence which takes place at the end of the sparrow where the priest is tortured and he's misunderst he misunderstood what aliens were asking him and unfortunately they thought that he wanted some sort of uh, ritual done to him and they ended up destroying his hands and and doing some other just unspeakable stuff to him. The rest of the book, though, I mean, as long as I don't read that part, it was quite interesting because it was a bunch of, of uh, Jesuits who went to this planet and discovered these two cultures that are in themselves extremely interesting. And eventually you find out that the more advanced culture was breeding the supposedly less advanced one for food. And uh, fortunately in the second book, the second uh, culture gets freed of all that and they start to advance on their own but you know you've been mentioning it for quite a while I I would suggest you know let's go ahead and read it because Martin's talked about it I can go out on Bard right now and get the book number if you want um well 
the two of you have read them, and the two of us haven't read them yet. Um, the thing is, I know Lissy isn't going to be able to read that part. Um, I can read it, but the second thing is that, um, or is this the third thing? Is either you or someone who mentioned them on the DB review list says that a lot of that is violence is restated in the second book because he's describing it or somebody's describing it to him, uh, to the Earth when he goes back to Earth it's re-described or something. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mary? Well, it's it's described in the first book because that's when the Earthlings are getting a. A uh, fairly good idea of what happened, but the second book focuses on the priest's recovery, and it's a long, hard, rather depressing road to to his recovery, and he eventually has to go back to the planet. So, um, well, you know, I don't know, Martin. What do you think? Well, I th I say to me, I think it's a it's it, it's the kind of science fiction I I like, and I think you know it has it may have some of its yeah, defects, uh, and of course the problem is if you read the first book, I, I don't know if I would think that we're going to want to read the second book, because the second book, is, I think, explains some of the things that the first book doesn't completely explain about what happened to him, if I remember correctly. I mean, I think, the as you described, the thing on the planet, the inter-reactions with the species, uh, the fact that they, you know, it's sort of, you know, I, I, I first read it on Bookshare, and I think I had some questions at the end of, of how to appreciate it. And they were comparing a little bit to the Spaniards going to the New World and not understanding the culture and you know misunderstanding things. And I think it's a really a good book. So, you know, again, uh, you know, I would like more people to, have to to read it, have access to it, and, and you know, hear their opinions. As I say, the the, the big the big drawback that I see is the fact that there's a lot of time in the book spent in, in you know in a monastery in Italy and you know trying to help the priest overcome his traumas, it, it, quite a bit of, of, of dealing with the Catholic Church, and I would say on a positive basis, but it, it is, it, you know, she really goes in, in, into depth psychologically, um, so I don't know, it might be too much for the, you know, for us to read, if we want just straight science fiction. Oh, um, the, um, oh, how long are these books? I mean, um, we only do one book, so if people, I mean, we would have to do the, probably just do the first book, and then if people want to do the second book, that would be, you know, optional, but, um, um, like, kind of like we did with Hospital Station, you know, and not reading the whole beginning operations book. Um, Remember, Mary, how many hours? Uh, actually, it's been a while. I'm, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I didn't read it on BARD. I only read it on Bookshare, and I haven't really gone back to read it on BARD. So, but I think it's fairly long, but I don't recall exactly how many hours. I'm on the search field. What is the author's last name? I know it's Mary Doria something. Yeah, I keep forgetting it. But if you write the word sparrow, of course, you might get a lot of sparrows. That's the thing. Mary Doria, uh, Doria can't remember her, third, her, her name. But, you know, what's interesting, there used to be a, a, a book, uh, a program on, on uh, NPR called Speaking of Faith. And that's what I learned in the book. They, they interviewed her. Uh, and explaining why, how she wrote, she was, she was an or is an anthropologist. And that's why, that's how I learned of this book in the very beginning. Uh, oh, D Mary Dorian Russell, I think her last name, second name was. 
Yeah, it might be easier just to use the title. But, um, yeah, she's got a new program now. I don't know if she's doing Speaking of Faith. I think it's called On Being or something like that. But it's I think it's similar in content. I'm not sure uh, why she changed the name. I guess I could speculate, but I don't know why she changed it. Uh, but it's still Krista Tibbet doing it. Yeah, I used to enjoy much more Speaking, speaking of Faith. I don't, I don't listen to her too much anymore. Okay, I've got it. It's 17 hours and something. Well, the book I had in mind was twice that long, so um, I still wanted to do the, uh, and Lissy and I have started it uh, just barely, though, the Great Great North Road, Peter F. Hamilton. Now, we've already done him last summer, but we were, I we were going to, uh, I, was, I was going to suggest that because, first of all, the only person who's read it is Sherry, um, and uh, she gave it a very good marks, and of course, I, I like Hamilton. He's very good at what he does, so I think I can count on a good story from him. But um, we'll vote. Uh, but see, you guys have both read these. Um, but um, if, if anybody has any other ideas, and then we'll uh, we'll work out a consensus here. We had also discussed about a possible book called New Earth a couple months, like two or three months ago, as a possible book to read. Oh, that was the Ben Bova book, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the second in the series that that uh, started out with uh, him, uh, them going to this uh, planet, I think, I can't remember now what the name of it was, but yeah, New Earth was the second in that series. Well, the only thing that would discourage me from the book that you're suggesting, Evan, is the length of it. <laughs> 34 hours is pretty long, you know, unless, you know, with all, my, all the other stuff I have to, I'm reading, whether or not I'll be able to complete it or not. I got involved with this, and I regret having done so. This Game of Thrones series of books, and I've been sort of drowning in that. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff that I ordered from. Uh, um, where did I get all this stuff from? Amazon, a bunch of Ray Bradbury stuff, including all sixty-five episodes of the Bradbury Theater that was on TV. <laughs> and then I've got the Martian Chronicles mini TV series that was out in nineteen eighty-three, and um, other stuff that keeps creeping in. <laughs> I I vote for the sparrow. I would like to read the beginning of that again. I'll throw my, I'll throw my vote in for that too. Okay, I think we're going to do it then. Uh, Lissy is saying yes. Why not just do it this month? Uh, you're right. It's half as long as Great North Road. <laughs> we can uh, and then you know if we want to read the second book, we'll we'll read that independently. But uh, 17 hours is enough. You know, for one book, you know, for a month. Um, so we'll, uh, I guess we'll just put that in then for next month. Uh, the Sparrow by Marion, whoops, Mary Doria Russell. Uh, if I've mispronounced any of that, it'll be in the newswire. So that's um, um, for our next meeting, which will be August the 14th. Well, that gives us five weeks. Uh, yeah, we could do something longer, but okay, we'll do this one then this month, and we'll do something else. We'll we'll decide what we're going to read for August. I'm going to be out of town that month, uh, next month. I'll uh, be at family, but I I th should be able to come. And the book number is DB four three eight nine two. It's seventeen hours and um, thirty five minutes. And I see I was off the microphone. Hope you could hear it. Yeah, we heard it. It, came, it was just slightly lower. Then you, then you, uh, then you increased a little bit there. But uh, we, we heard it all.